Hi friends, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And here we are back again today. Uh, We're currently working through the Gospel of Matthew, but that's season three, our plan to work through the entire Bible by verse. If you're here for the first time, well, you have a couple of things you can do. You can click the subscribe button, and that way you can make the study of the Word of God, not just the reading of the Bible, but the study of it part of the rhythm of your daily life. You can also, if you want, make the decision to go right back to the beginning and play catch-up, maybe listen to a couple of episodes a day for a while until you arrive at where you are with us today. Now, the early episodes, the first uh, sort of 300 episodes, are much shorter. They're only about eight minutes long. So you'd certainly be able to catch up by doing a couple, two or three a day for a while. But we're about 20 odd episodes into Matthew, which is our season three. But that'll do for now. I'll see you at the back end just to update you on a few things and say bye bye. But for now, we'll launch off into today's study. Bye for now. Okay, we're into this series looking at the Beatitudes and thinking about how we can gain the blessings of God. And today we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, which tells us that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, according to Jesus Christ here, speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, in this opening section, which are called the blessings, the Beatitudes, what we hear is that according to Jesus Christ, God really wants to bless us. Now, when I hear that, and when I hear particularly that Jesus said that, then two questions immediately pop into my mind. Number one, what is it that I must do to get the blessings of God? And number two, what will those blessings be? What will they look like? Now, the beauty of the Sermon on the Mount is that it answers those questions right at the beginning of this three-chapter message that Jesus gives. The Sermon on the Mount is a lengthy piece documenting, one might say, a teaching session given by Jesus. But he began it, he opens it here by repeatedly saying this expression, blessed is, blessed is. And up to this point, we've looked at five of these blessings so far. We started out by looking at the fact that Jesus has said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Then blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are merciful. And then he talked about the blessing that will be received by those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the last one we looked at yesterday was the fact that God blesses those who are merciful. So if you've just arrived today and you don't want to go right back to the beginning of everything, maybe pick it up five days ago when I look at each of those blessings and what they are and how we gain them. So we're through the first five of what are popularly referred to as the Beatitudes. So what blessings do we gain if we develop these characteristics that Jesus is talking about here? Or if we do things, well, we do these things well, the things that Jesus says we should do. We live well, we live well in the way that he's saying we should. Well, this is where it gets interesting because we've discovered that not only 
by living this way or being this way or developing those characteristics, not only will we gain something present today and in the everyday, we will also see, and we'll see it more and more as we go towards the end of this section, that it's clear that he's talking about also gaining a reward, a blessing in heaven. Now, that answers the two basic questions, but there's much, much more besides. There are three more Beatitudes coming that we've not looked at yet. And again, we need to seek answers to the question they raise and think about the themes that they raise because the perspective is widening slightly as we progress into these blessings. But we need to hold in mind the same two basic questions. What do I have to do and what does it mean to have the characteristic that is mentioned here. In this case, it's pure in heart or peacemaker or persecuted. That's the three that are coming. But how do I have to be and what do I have to do to receive the blessings that it tells us I will receive? Now, blessings number six to eight appear on the surface to be relatively straightforward. He simply talks about blessings will come to the pure in heart and to the peacemakers, and then he finalizes it rounds it out by talking about the persecuted. It's all right there in the text. Pure in heart, peacemakers and the persecuted. Those three groups of people are going to receive blessings. And these are the three categories or characteristics of people that close off the Beatitude. And my plan is to look at each of these three over the next three episodes and to ask, what do we get? What is the blessing that we will get? And I'll try and answer as we go along, what is the blessing that we will get by living that way? And I would imagine we should get one done each day. So today, so today, let's look at the first that Jesus says, uh, number six of the eight blessings in Matthew 5, where it says, blessed is the pure in heart. What does that exactly mean? Well, the word pure here, it can mean several things, particularly in the language that it was written in, in the original language. It can mean to be pure, as we would say, or it can also mean just to be clean. But it's obviously here talking about an internal kind of purity, because it says, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, this is another one of those passages in the Bible, another one of these words that has been used here in our translation, but the original word has multiple meanings. In some passages in the Bible, when it's used, it's referred to an outward state. But this time, we know that's not quite the case here. He's definitely referring it to our inner spiritual state because he chooses to say pure in heart. So it's talking about the internal aspects of our spiritual, emotional state. So Jesus in this, and in other passages, by the way, is seen to often talk about being pure in our emotions and will. Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, which means this is talking about all those internal facets or components that make us up as a person, a human being, our mind, our emotions, and our will. Or as someone once put it rather poetically, this is about our imaginations, our inclinations, and our intentions. All of these things need to be pure. So a correct understanding of this, I believe, is to acknowledge that it refers to everything that lives within us as human beings. What we think, as well as the decisions that arise out of our thinking, 
the decisions that our emotions drive us to make. Now, there are several opinions about how these Beatitudes all are related back to uh, and linked to the Old Testament, particularly the Ten Commandments. Some see them as a new covenant representation, a representation of the Ten Commandments, and would say that Jesus here is making a specific reference to one specific sin, namely sexual sin and the Seventh Commandment. Now, I don't doubt that that's what Jesus is doing, and he is linking back to the Old Testament commandments and I will address that in much greater detail later in our study probably in about a week or so and that is definitely in here included here and meant here in what he's saying however there's nothing in this passage that I think suggests it should be restricted to that the second opinion is that it is talking about sin in general not just specific sins It seems to be much more reasonable and natural to believe that it is talking about sin in general, especially when you consider that this phrase that Jesus is using here is a quote from Psalm 24, which is definitely addressing our sinful state as human beings before a holy God. In Psalm 24, the psalmist wrote, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And this is what Jesus is referencing here. Now having said that, the psalmist then names a bunch of things that could be, or a description of what a pure heart should look like, or what the opposite of a pure heart would be inclined to do. It actually says, I'll read for you, then it says next, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, and then it says, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Interesting, isn't it? Blessings and righteousness are bestowed upon us by the God of our salvation. And that's very clearly alluded to even in the Old Testament Psalms. You see, according to the psalmist, the pure-hearted are the ones who seek the Lord and do not seek guidance from false religions or ideologies. A pure heart also includes being clean from sins like adultery, immorality, falsehood, lying, deceit, hypocrisy. Or as one common dictator said, it's about being cleaned in the heart so that you've no desire to offend God in any of these ways. And by nature that spills out that you should not be offending other people either. I think this is interesting because I said the summary text for this opening part of the Sermon Mount in Matthew chapter 5.20, it very clearly tells us, well, I'll read it for you. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus here is describing the real form of righteousness as compared to the false type of righteousness. Now, if you hang in here with me in these studies over the next days and weeks, you're going to hear me repeat this perspective over and over again as we work through the whole gospel, because it's a major theme of the gospel of Matthew. The false righteousness is the external type of righteousness. But what Jesus wants here and what Jesus is positing is an internal righteousness. So he begins with the poor in spirit, 
And now he's saying, blessed are the pure in heart. And this is very clearly highlighting this perspective for us. This is a showcase, if you like, of internal true righteousness versus this fake form of external righteousness. Just the sort of righteousness that's just for show. Externally following religious rules and regulations and believing that makes you right before God. Let me just illustrate how critical this teaching was and how it turned the whole thing upside down in the world and the society, the religious society which Jesus appeared at that time. The religious hierarchy of Jesus' day, some might say the religious hierarchy still today, get really hung up on external righteousness. They like to be seen to do what they determine is good. And they do it to the extreme. If you look at the time of Jesus, what happened is people took the Levitical law and they expanded it to such a point that it literally broke it apart. They took something simple about keeping the Sabbath holy, which means setting it apart and making it different, and expanded that to a set of rules about things you could and could not do on the Sabbath. Not just working. One of the things they said was that you couldn't carry a burden. And they had to define what was the weight of a burden. And it was decided that anything heavier than the clip that held a robe together on a man's robe was something that was too heavy to carry. So religious people would remove the clip from their robes so that they flowed freely on the Sabbath. But they also, hypocritically, if they needed something doing, or they needed even something taking from one room to another, they would employ other people to carry the stuff for them, non-believers. Now that's the extreme that people were trying to go to, and I could mention many others, but trying to put the emphasis on be seen to do these external things. And Jesus comes along into that religious context and says, forget all that, it's blessed is the pure in heart. So in my estimation, Jesus here is very clearly talking about purity from all sin, from the state of sin, from our state of sin, not one specific sin or even 10 specific sins, but all the sinful aspects of our minds, our emotions, our drives and our will. Now let me consider, just add in, another aspect that I think needs to be just attached and included in this thinking. I think, of course, the main point is that we are to be pure. And the particular Greek word translated as pure was used for corn that had been cleansed of all chaff, so that there was nothing left of the corn. So you see, it's not just about not taking on board other things and having them pollute us. It's also about removing stuff from our lives, from our motivations, from our drives, so that what is left is pure. And this is using a word that could be described for the cleansing and the preparing of corn. Pure corn, corn that has been unmix- uh, is unmixed with other grains and has even had its own husks and stalks removed. Interesting, the word was also used in the Roman world for an army which had been purged of all the cowardly or discontenting and grumbling soldiers. So that what was left, what was composed of that army was the division of first class fighting men. So in that context, the pure word means literally unmixed. So I'm going to suggest that part of being pure is also about being spiritually unadulterated. 
Let me explain what I mean by that. In James chapter 3, James writes about and he talks about wisdom and two types of wisdom. Wisdom that comes from above and wisdom that comes from beneath. He talks about a worldly wisdom and a godly wisdom. And in describing the worldly wisdom, he says that type of wisdom is corrupted because it's always self-seeking and self-serving at its heart. That's what it's behind all its motivations. But then he starts to describe godly wisdom and he says that's all about having pure motives. That instead of self-seeking, you have pure motives and you seek to put other people first by having a servant attitude. So I would like to propose that the pure in heart is about having pure motives as well as having purity from specific sins. All right, we're to be pure. And if we're pure and pure in heart, we will be blessed. But what's the blessing? What's the reward for living that way? Well, look at the second half of the verse. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Wow. See God? That sounds amazing. But what does it mean? Well, if you've heard me go through these Beatitudes so far, you'll know, I think, that the blessings that we receive will be completely realised when we stand before the Lord. I think the final beatitude that we'll come to in a couple of the days, which talks about uh, the blessings for the persecuted, well, obviously, if you think about that and, and the blessing in that aspect, it's very clear that it's something that can only truly be fulfilled when you're free of that persecution and standing before the Lord. So in my estimation, the only way to interpret uh, all of these blessings and understand how they will be fully experienced is to recognize that we will only fully experience them when we stand before the Lord. Now, I think in this case, and in many other cases, we will be able to see the Lord in our everyday life and catch glimpses of that and thereby receive the blessings of living this way or being this way day by day. But the main blessing in regard to these things will come in the future. This idea about seeing the Lord is very interesting. For example, if you go back into Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about Moses and it says that Moses saw him, in other words, God, who is invisible, and he met with him face to face. And it was because of that and because of his times before the Lord that he was able to go and stand before and did not fear Pharaoh. So there is a very real sense in which those who are impure in heart will see the Lord, will experience the Lord in the everyday, instead of just looking at situations and just seeing the world and what it's doing. We are able to focus on the Lord instead of focusing on the worldly circumstances around us. I've often seen it happen in many given circumstances that some people, godly people, are able to see the Lord in the things that are happening in their lives and in the lives of their communities and others just don't see it. This message here, and I believe Psalm 24, tells us that the pure in heart will see the Lord and we will be able to see him in the everyday. And we will be able to seek him and find him in the circumstances of our life, even the difficult trials of our everyday life. But ultimately, we will see him fully in eternity. What I'm saying is I think that ultimately these blessings are fulfilled when Jesus Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom. 
And I'm not alone in thinking this way. This is not a minority report. There are many Christians who agree with that interpretation. One commentator I read described how this seeing God is progressively realized now and into the future, uh, right up to the point in which we possess the kingdom with him and see his full glory. Another commentator wrote in the 19th century something I thought was particularly helpful and insightful. He said this, This verse and all the preceding verses express the blessings of his divine favour. It will be seen in the reign of this Messiah and is the most natural interpretation of this verse. And that same person goes on to say later, It is that sincere person who shall, and I quote, stand in the divine presence as his honoured servant and the object of his special favour. I thought that was particularly helpful to know that if we are pure in heart, we will one day stand before the Lord as an honoured guest and as an object of his special favour. I suppose it's just common sense in a way to understand that all the blessings of God, of course, can only have their complete realisation when the kingdom fully comes in, in its completeness. So friends, to conclude, the pure in heart will be blessed and the pure in heart are those people who have pure motives and are clean not only from the specific sins mentioned in scripture because they have forgiven in Christ and by that they will see the reward now in their lives as they work through their lives and experience it every day but they will experience it completely when they stand before him as an honoured servant one day in the future. So if you want to be blessed by God If you want to see God, then strive to be pure in heart. Okay then, friends, there we go. I hope you find that helpful. We're six in to the eight blessings contained in this opening section of the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll pick up tomorrow with the next one when we consider what it means when he talks about the blessings that are available to the peacemakers. As I said at the beginning, it's really worth having a look at the episode notes. You'll not only find ways in which you can connect to other aspects of my ministry, I do post more discipleship-based structured courses on my Patreon page and my YouTube channel and you're welcome to have a look there but there's also links to things like the facebook community and also even ways in which you can connect or become a partner with this ministry and as i mentioned there's always a transcript of each and every podcast that i do and everything i put out as part of my ministry is in the public domain it's without copyright it's there for you to use in whatever way you want for your own personal devotional material or for preparing any teaching or preaching that you might be called to do. It's also worth noting that any quotes and references I do, you'll find the references for them there in the episode notes. It's not that I don't want to credit the people, and I do stand on the shoulders of some people who've gone before and and, uh, quote and use other people's materials, but the referencing for it is done within the episode notes, so you can find that there. And if you're benefiting from this, and if you're finding it helpful, Then two things, click the subscribe so you don't miss another episode. And secondly, why not consider sharing it or uh, liking it 
or even reviewing it on social media so that it gets out there and more and more people are helped to find it and maybe make the decision to make the study of the Word of God part of the rhythm of their daily lives also. But the thing I want to say most thanks for is the fact that there are so many of you have encouraged me just by making the decision to follow along and to download this every day. There are many thousands of us together on this journey now. And what encouragement that is for me, an old retired pastor, to find this amazing project that I've committed to and that I'm not only being blessed by, but knowing that others have been blessed by it also. So please do come back again tomorrow and let's look and see what Jesus has to say tomorrow and what we can learn from it in the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.